Good morning. Good to see everybody. Well, it is uh, second Sunday in this uh, five-week series that we're doing that we've titled Prepared. And uh, if you were gone last Sunday, this might be your might even be your first time with Brookside. I uh, want you to know you can go online, brookside.net, and you can uh, watch every one of the sermons in this series and sermons before uh, that you might be interested in. When this, in this series, we're asking, we're answering five of the most uh, common asked questions about the, uh, about the Christian faith that people have as they're really considering, they're looking at what we believe and whether or not it's credible or not, whether or not to believe it. And every one of those questions really are, they're, they're the right question to ask. And, and personally, I'm convinced that asking those questions is the intellectually honest thing to do. It's what we, what any one of us want, would want to do. And so if you're here today and you're still undecided about God and faith and you're asking the questions that we're asking in this series, I want, I want to affirm you in that. I, it's, it's, uh, it's the very least thing you want to do. I mean, you wouldn't want to do any less than that because in every way, in every way, it's the intellectually honest thing to do. And really, it's no different for each one of us who made the decision to believe in Jesus Christ and to follow him as our Savior and Lord. We, we know those questions are out there. We, we've asked those questions. More likely than not, we've asked those questions at some point in our own lives, and so we don't want to avoid those questions. And I'd even say, if really, it's incumbent on us if, if anybody would want and really should uh, do the hard work of, of really asking and, and finding the answers to the hard questions. It's it's really us, and we should do this for ourselves, and we should do this we should do this for other people. And I think of doing it for myself or any one of us doing this for yourself as a, as a believer in Christ. I, I can guarantee if you if you do the hard work of wrestling with the hard questions and you find the answers to those questions, it'll, it'll strengthen your faith in Jesus Christ. And, and the stronger your faith in Jesus Christ is, the, more, the higher the level, the greater the commitment you would have to him because you just have more confidence that it's, it's true, it's the right thing. And then, and, and then when you think of having conversation with other people, you think of doing this for others who do not share your faith. I mean, the, it, it, it would only make sense that you would want to wrestle with those hard questions. And so you're, you're able, you know, it, it, when you do that, it gives you more confidence in your faith. And the more confidence you have in your faith, the better prepared you are to, to explain your faith to other people and to do this with a good deal of confidence. So I, I, I'm just excited about what we're talking about in this series. And I think if, you know, if you think about anything that you want to succeed in doing well, whatever it might be, it might be a project at work, it might be a class that you're taking in high school or in college, it might be a sport, whatever it is, all, all across the board, how careful you are at preparing yourself to do it well, the better the chances are that you're going to do it well, and the better the end result from doing it. I don't know if anybody, I'm sure more than a few of you watched the World Series in the last, you know, the last, this last week, last couple of weeks. I mean, we saw some incredible baseball. I mean, I think of, of the Giants, the, se you know, the, uh, the seventh inning, and M Madison Bumgardner, the pitcher, the 
I mean, they kept talking about it, and you saw it. This guy, how, how did he do that? You know, it's just, it was utterly fascinating. I was just so impressed by it. And I, I would say if you talk to any one of, any, any baseball player after all of that who played so well, they, they would tell you it wasn't just because of their inherent talent that they, you know, that they, they had where they're, they're able to play so well. They would say it was the hundreds and hundreds of hours of practice preparing themselves to play the game well. And so it's true. Whatever it is that you want to do well, preparedness is key to making this happen. Hands down. No exceptions to this. So if you think about it, if there, as a follower of Jesus Christ, if there's anything that you would want to be able to be as prepared as you can be to do as well as you can possibly do it, I would say that it's, it's having conversations with other people about your faith in Jesus Christ to be as well prepared as you possibly can. Not only so that you're able to explain who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ did in coming to this earth, but also so that you're able to answer, answer well the questions that people have that they often need to have answered before they're even going to consider the Christian faith and any kind of a, a belief in Jesus Christ. And so I want this for every one of us. In the same way that Peter wanted his, for his fellow believers uh, during the time when the church first began. And so our key verse for this series is the challenge that Peter gave to his fellow believers in the letter that he wrote to, him, to them when he said, and we, this is really our key verse for these five Sundays. He said, in, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And what he meant by that is, before people are going to believe what we say that we believe, before they're, going to, they're even going to want to listen to us, the life that we live has got to be credible. There's got to be a, 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 a consistency in the life we live with what we say we believe. And so we want the character of Christ to be formed in us, and we're, 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 we're living like Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop with how we live. So we've got we to gotta, we gotta verbalize our faith to other people. Otherwise, they'll just think we're a good person. All right, they got to understand why we are who we are. And so then he said this, always be prepared. And that, such a key statement. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. Always be prepared. And then he finished it off by saying the way in which we should do it. And he's absolutely right. He said we should do it with gentleness and with respect. So this is what we did last Sunday. And we're going to do it again this morning. We're going to do it for these next three Sundays. We're going to prepare ourselves as, as much as we can to answer the questions that were often asked. And so the first question we answered last Sunday, and the question is, how do we know that there's a God? I've been asked this question many, many times, and I can understand why. I mean, if, if there's no good reason to believe that there's a God, then, then it changes everything. And then, you know, there'd be no reason for all of us to be here this morning. You know, we might as well just, you know, turn off the lights and, and go home because there would be no God for us to worship. Um, so that's the first question. First question to find the answer to, which is what we did last Sunday. But I'd have to say that the question that we're answering today is a question that I've been asked a whole lot more. Many, many times more than the first question. And it's this question, is Jesus the only way to God? See, the only way to God. 
I've had so many conversations where I've been asked this question, where somebody has said, but Steve, really, is it really true that, that the only way it's possible for any person to have God's forgiveness and to be able to know with certainty that they have eternal life, is it, is it really true that, that the only way would be through Jesus Christ? And then very often, they'll follow that question by saying, you know, it sounds, Steve, that sounds way too narrow to me. You know, how, how can you say that the God of the Bible is the, one, the only true God? I mean, they'd say, you know, at, at, you know, you look at all the other religions in the world pointing to a different God. How can you say that, that all the other religions are wrong and that Christianity is right? And I'm guessing you've been asked that question. If you've identified yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ and you've, you've expressed that to, to other people, uh, you probably at some point have had somebody say that very, ask you that very question. You know, that, you know, and, and I would say that it's a question, it's un, incumbent on each, on each one of us who are followers of Christ to be able to answer this question well. And you might be asking it yourself. You might be here today and you'd say, that is a key question that I need to have answered before I'm going there's, to, there's, there's any kind of a chance that I'm ever going to believe in Jesus Christ. And I want, I want you to know I totally understand why you would say that. It is the right question to ask, and I hope that, I hope that I'm able to help answer that question a bit more for you today, all right? So, I think the first thing that's helpful to know is that you and I are living in a world where the prevailing idea or the prevailing thought is that spiritual and moral truth are relative. And the idea here is that I can believe what I believe and you can believe what you believe. And even though our beliefs are the complete opposite, both of us are right in what we believe. And that the only thing that we could do that would be wrong is to tell the other person they're wrong in what they, in what they believe. That, that's what we're talking about here that we're dealing with in the world in which we live. Now, there, there's a word for this way of thinking that which claims that there's no absolute truth and, and no absolute standard of right and wrong. And you may have heard this word before, or maybe you haven't, but, but the, the, the word that's often used to describe that way of thinking is called post, postmodernism, all right? Now, uh, this word is used, and let me just take a minute to explain it in case you didn't hear it before. This word is a word that is used because... It's, it's a reaction to what historians identify as the mod, a modern period in, in Western history that goes all the way back. It began in the Renaissance, and it, and it continued all the way into the 20th century, this last century. So quite a long period of time, and it's called, it was called the modern period, all right? And it was a time when people saw human reason and science as the path to knowing what's true and, and what's right. And, and there was a very definite statement, this is right and this is true. One can't be, you can't have it both ways, okay? One is right or, or, and, and the other one is wrong, right? Now, where it get, becomes a little 
counterintuitive maybe, is the post in front of modern. You kind of looked at that and you go, well, I thought we lived in a modern period, all right? So I think that sometimes makes it a little difficult. But the word post is put in front of postmodern, the word modern, because it, what, what it implies is that that way of thinking is something that's in the past. And so now instead of thinking that truth is something that's clearly defined and objective, the, the attitude, the, the thought these days is that we're to have a tolerance and acceptance of what everyone else believes to be true for them, okay? Whether or not we think it's true or not, we're to have a a tolerance for it. We're, we're not to be judging it in, in any kind of a way. And when it comes to a person's faith, it argues that every religion, every single religion, is just one of many equally valid paths to God, as, as opposite as those religions might be. Now, if... Um, You've been a pastor in a church long enough, and if uh, you've gone to the church of the pastor who's been there long enough, you've gone there for quite a while, you probably have heard the same story more than once, okay? So some of you might have heard this one at least a couple times. But I think it bears repeating because it, it's so applicable to what we're talking about this morning. And here, here's my story, okay? I'll never forget. I'll never forget a conversation I had with a pastor uh, uh, another pastor, 34 years ago, when, when I was a pastor in Wisconsin in a small town called Lodi that was just north of Madison, uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Lodi was a town of about 2,000 people. And if, it, like, it, like any small town, it had a favorite restaurant where the guys, would, the farmers and the businessmen in town, would meet about mid-morning to have a cup of coffee and conversation and it was always, you know, some of the same guys would show up, but other, more often or not, it'd be different guys on, on different days of the week. And I realized when I came into that town as this young pastor, I realized it would be a great way to, to meet people in that town because we were just starting out. It was a brand new church, just a few of us. And so I, I thought, you know what, this would be a great thing to do. So I joined them once a week. There was like this round table that they would all sit at. And, and, and at first it was unsettling for these guys to have a pastor around, okay? It's like, oh, and, you know, the, the, the language cleaned up, the stories changed. But that only, they, you know, that, they could only do that for so long, and then everything went back to status quo again. They kind of accepted me. I was there, and so, you know, they'll be what they are. And so some of these guys were leaders of their, of their churches, and I actually became good friends, I uh, really enjoyed conversations with these guys, but the only time I ever heard them mention the name of Jesus Christ was in profanity. I never heard them say anything about Jesus Christ where there was even a hint of any kind of, of love for him, any kind of gratitude that he died on the cross for their sin, any, any sense of understanding of who he was, the God, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, there, there, there was not any kind of a desire that I saw in them to, to obey him and serve him, none of that. The only time I ever heard them say his name was in profanity. Now, there were five churches in Lodi, and one of the things that's sometimes done in small towns 
is that uh, the churches in those towns will come together maybe once or twice a year and have a community-wide worship service. And Lodi did this at Thanksgiving, and, 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 then, and then they would do it at Easter and good, for the Good Friday service. And I'll never forget one of the pastors giving a sermon on the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our salvation through Jesus Christ, gave a sermon that was about as good as I ever heard about that. I was so impressed by that sermon. But I was also very confused because I knew the men that were leaders in his church. I had coffee with those guys. I had a lot of conversations with them. I, I knew what they talked about. I, I knew that the only time they ever mentioned Jesus Christ was in profanity. So it, it was very obvious to me that they just didn't get who Jesus Christ was and what Jesus Christ did. And so I, 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 I asked him, this pastor, a few days after I heard that sermon, he and I really, we had a good relationship. We could go back and forth, be real honest with each other. And, and I said, man, I got, I got to tell you, I got to ask you, what did you mean when you gave that sermon about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and salvation through Jesus Christ? What, what did you mean when you said, uh, said that? And he said, well, Steve, it's just like this. It's like you've got a mountain and God's at the top of the mountain. And we Christians, we have our way to climb up that mountain to reach God. He said, there's many different ways. The, the Buddhist has his way. The Hindu has his way. The Muslim has his way. Jesus Christ is just one way among many ways to reach God. And I was stunned to hear a fellow pastor say this because this is the very opposite of what Jesus Christ said about himself. If, 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 if we could have Jesus Christ come here this morning and I could ask him the question we're, we're answering today, are you really the only way to reach God, the only way to have God's forgiveness and etern have eternal life? Jesus would say the same thing today that he said back in the, in the Gospel of John in the 14th chapter. And I, I just love that whole conversation. He, he's talking to his disciples and he tells them, that he's, he's going to go to heaven, which is, you know, that's like, wow, you know. And, and he tells him he's going to come back. And when he comes back, he's going to take all of his followers to be with him. I mean, they're, they're listening to him. And, 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 and then he finishes this by, by saying to them, and he said, you know the place, to, you know where I'm going. And, and Thomas, I think, speaks for the rest when he said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And it's response to this that Jesus said this, about himself, he said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He, you notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, I'm a way. He didn't say, I'm a way, one, one way among many ways to God. He said, I'm the way to God. It's the very opposite of what postmodernism says, which, you know, that there's many equally valid paths to God. And it's without doubt one of the most controversial statements that Jesus made about himself. I mean, you, you quote what he said to other people today, tell them that this is what you believe, and very often you're going to get a negative reaction. You're, 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 you're going to hear, you're going you're to have somebody say to you, you know, boy, that sounds arrogant to me. That, 
That sounds so narrow-minded. How could you ever say that? You might be thinking that yourself today. You might be wondering, you know, which way is it? I mean, is, it, is there good reason to believe what Jesus said about himself? Or, or, or is it nothing more than arrogance at its absolute worst for him to say that? I mean, if, if I stood up here and I said to all of you this morning, listen, I'm the way to God. I mean, you, you would go like, wow, that guy is crazy, you know? Or he's really, really arrogant and crazy, both of them. You know, you'd, you'd, they'd, they'd be nuts, all right? I mean, you can understand why. I mean, I can understand why you would ask that question and why you would feel that way and why you would say that, okay? So my hope today and for the next three weeks is to help answer this question. And, and if, if I don't totally answer it today, at the very least, motivate you to take a careful look at what the Christian faith is all about. Why, why it is that millions of people today are convinced that Jesus was right in saying what he said about himself. And so, in, 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 in deciding which way to go with this, it really comes down to three options. All right? One of three options. One of three. Okay? You got to pick one of them. All right? Uh, first of all, you, you could decide that atheism is true and every religion is mistaken to believe that there's a God. Or you could decide... Postmodernism is right in claiming that everyone's right and no one's wrong. In, in when they say that there, there are many equally valid paths to God, you could, that could be the one option you could choose. Or you could come down to the third option, which would be that there has got to be, you decide there has got to be one religion that's true. So I want to I take a look at each one of these options. And so for you, if you are asking the question, you're, you're undecided about your faith. Just hear what I have to say, process it, and, and take it with you, and it's something for you to, to think through, all right? Or if you are a believer in Christ, this is something where you want to say, okay, I want to write this down. This is, this is how I can explain why my faith is reasonable to another person. So let's, let's look at each one of these. So first one is uh, deciding that atheism, atheism is true in every religion is false. And all, I'm, all I would ask you to do with this one is to take a look at the evidence and decide what is more reasonable to believe, that there is, there is a God or there isn't a God. And I encourage you, and this is what I talked about last Sunday, I encourage you to go online if you were gone and, and listen to last Sunday's sermons, I, sermon. I, I, I talked through four reasons to believe in God, four reasons that you can have total confidence that there's a God. Really, the reasons that have withstood the test of time, okay? Now, all I want to do this morning, just a real concise, just take a minute with this. I just want to ask you the same question that I asked last Sunday. Is it reasonable? Is it really reasonable? Is it intellectually honest to believe that there was absolutely nothing Nothing at all. Nothing. And then without any kind of a cause, this universe suddenly comes into existence. Nothing, then everything, and no cause. Is that reasonable? Okay. For example, this watch, and I've, I've done this so many times. I said this last Sunday. 
in conversations with people, I've taken my watch off and I've, I've, asked, I've asked the question, is it more reasonable to believe that at one moment this watch did not exist? Nothing about this watch existed. And then all of a sudden it's on my wrist. All of a sudden, oh man, where'd that come from? Okay? Or is it more reasonable to think that there was a watchmaker who was the cause of this watch? And then the other thing you could do is you could take the watch and you could, you could take the back off and you can look inside at, at all the intricate parts and all of them working together and ask yourself the question, is it, is it more reasonable to think that all of that happened, all of that came together uh, by chance, okay, by chance, or that there was a designer, there was a watchmaker that designed this watch so that it works the way it works. And I've asked that question over and over again, and every single time I've asked the question, the, resp the answer I got, well, is, well, it makes more sense that there's a watchmaker. It's more reasonable, more logical to believe that. Now, I would just say, if this is true for a watch, how much more it must be true for this universe that is like, I mean, you can't even compare the two in complexity. The universe is that much more complex. And so the point of all of this is that there has to be an ultimate cause for everything that exists, and this ultimate cause is God. And I'm confident that if you take a look at the evidence, you're going to conclude that this is the way it's got to be. And once you're convinced this is true, then you're left with the next two options. And so then you come to the next one, and that is deciding that postmodernism is right. And again, the idea of postmodernism is that you can believe something that this is true. I can believe that, that this other thing is true, okay? And even if what we believe is the opposite, we're, still, we're both still right to believe what we believe. We're both right even though what we believe is the opposite. Now, the question you got to ask yourself, and again, this is being intellectually honest. Can this really be true? Can it really be true? Is it logical thinking? Is it, you know, see, I'm convinced it's not reasonable because it's simply impossible for two completely opposite beliefs to be true. Our family had a, a running joke about my grandparents, my, my dad's parents. Um, as kids, we never quite figured out if they liked each other, okay? We're, it was just kind of an interesting dynamic that always was going on between them. And, but there, there was one thing that we, we knew, definitely knew. There wasn't much of anything that they agreed on, okay? I, I, I just remember being at their lake home. And it was always just kind of, we, we would just be waiting for it to happen. Yeah, uh, my, my grandfather, Alfred, could say this, and then, you know, something about whatever the subject was, and, and this happened so often that we would just wait for Amanda, my grandmother, to respond, and we could always count out. She'd, she would yell, oh, no, no, Alfred. Oh, you're all wrong. You know, you're wrong. And we just, even the weather, I remember, I remember this, because the weather was so important to us, because they were by a lake. This was up in Minnesota, and we were always like, waiting, hoping for, 
you know, a perfect warm, hot day when we went to the lake. And so we were very aware of the weather. And I remember one time, uh, Alfred say, just making the passing comment, what a beautiful day it is. And sure enough, Amanda, within a minute, said, oh, no, it's a miserable, cloudy, chilly day. And the funny thing about it is all we had to do was look out the window. I mean, we'd, we'd been out there. We knew what kind of a day it was. And, and, and you know, it's got to be one way. Or the other. Now, you know, it's, it's, it, it's one thing when we're talking about the weather, all right? Where this becomes serious is when postmodern thinking gets into the matter of a person's faith. Claiming that, you know, that every single religion is just one of many equally valid paths to God. As opposite as those religions may be. See, if it's ever true that two people cannot believe the opposite thing and both be right, it's, it's faith in God. You, you can't have one person over here saying that the God they worship is the true God and another person over here saying that the God they worship is the true God. I mean, both people cannot be right. One or both of them has to be wrong. It's just logical. It's just intellectually honest to recognize that which leaves you then with the third and I think the final option unless I'm missing one all right and that is deciding that one religion is true there's got to be you got to one religion has got to be true and the others are not true now so here's here's what I encourage you to do uh, I think I really think this would be the intellectually honest thing to do Take the time, I remember when I did this years ago. Take the time to do a study of every major world religion. All right? I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing we got to do. We can't, we can't just cherry pick what we think is the best part of each one. We really have got to decide which one is the right one. So the, the major religions in our world right now are Hindu. The five, there's many different religions and Many offshoots of different religions. But the main five religions are Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. Okay? Now, when I say this, okay, if you do a study of these religions, you are, you are more intellectually honest to pick one of them. And I would say, if, if you did your study and you looked at them all and you said, nah, I, you know what, I don't go with Christianity, I go with this one or this one, that's more intellectually honest than to say, well, I, I'm just, I, I think they're all true. You know, I like this part of this one, I like this part of the, you, you, just, you just can't do that, all right? So, do a study of these religions and discover what each one of them believes. Find out what they say about these things, okay? Each one of these. Uh, what they say about God, uh, what gives life meaning, which moral standards to live by, our spiritual need and how that need is met, what they say about Jesus, since he really is such a, a controversial figure here, and, and then how life will end, okay? Do that for each one, all right? Compare them. This is what you can do on your own. Don't, don't depend on what I say. Just take a look at them yourself and, and decide which one is, more, is, is reasonable to believe in, okay? Now, that might 
be a hard thing to do. M might sound like a boring thing to do, but I tell you what, to be intellectually honest, it's a thing we've got to do if we're down to that third option. Now, to help us with this, I, I asked Tim Wiebe, um, and there's books you can get, you can read, and uh, we'll, we'll give you some ideas of what you could read before we finish the series. But I asked Tim Wiebe, one of the guys on staff, to uh, put together a concise summary of each one of the world's five major religions. And Tim is, you know, if any one of you know Tim, Tim is, I mean, he's, he's a book guy. He reads, uh, reads and reads and reads a lot. Um, and he's very, uh, he really believes in doing things the right way, so without a bias, okay? So when, when Tim, Tim did this, he looked at these five religions, and, um, and so uh, we're going to give you this. You don't have to take it, but if you'd like it when you go out today, the hosts will have one available for you, where, where we, we talk through all of these five areas, okay? So we got them all written down here for you on this sheet, and we go across these different religions, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Islam, Christianity, and, and we, we, we Tim put together what they believe about each, each one of these. So this is kind of a starter for you to take a look at. Now, when you read through these summaries, there are two key things that you're going to notice, that you're going to find. Number one, there, there are significant differences between these religions where it's impossible to accept all of them as being true. You're going you're gonna to see, man, if they're saying this over here about God and they're saying something entirely different about God over here, though, you just can't say they're both right because they're so absolutely different from each other, all right? For, I mean, for example, Buddhism says that there are, there's either no God or many gods, okay? Christianity says there's one God, and triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, okay? I mean, those, that's, you, know, how, you can't, you know, say there, you can't say I believe this and I, and I also believe that. Um, Okay, then the second thing I want you to know, so the first one, first of all, let me just repeat it. You're, you're going to see that there are significant differences between these religions where it's impossible to accept all of them as true. So you're going you're to have to choose one, all right? And then second, you're going to find that Christianity is uniquely distinct from every other religion. So while, you know, I mean, you comp you, if you go across the board with all of these areas, you're going to see for every single one of them, the uniqueness of Christianity is that what it says about these areas is distinct from every other religion. All right? Now, I'll, I'll tell you the, the number one key distinction. All right? Two things you're going to see. There is no other religion that talks about God becoming one with us in our humanity for the sake in doing it because God loves us and then in, in his humanity he went to a cross and he took your sin and my sin on himself and he died for us. No other religion will say anything like that. I mean that is a major distinction between Christianity and every other religion. Okay. Now the only other thing that I would ask you to do and it it even goes beyond this sheet, okay? And this is, this is where you've, I think, a big part of being intellectually honest. You've got to look, where does every religion lead people? What does it lead them to do, okay? Does it lead them 
to do things that are loving toward other people and right to do, or does it lead them to do things that are cruel and inhumane to other people? That's a, a big, honest question that we've got to look at, each one of us, all right? Okay. Well, let me, let me just finish by saying this today, okay? If you're here this morning and you're undecided about faith and undecided about God, I tell you, from the bottom of my heart, I'm so grateful that you came. I really, I'm honored that you're here with us. And I sincerely hope that what I did today and talked about and, and what we're going to talk about these next three Sundays, I hope you find it helpful for you in trying to wrestle through this really very important subject about God, okay, and your relationship to God. And for those of you who are followers of Christ, I would just say, man, use this time to prepare yourself to have a good conversations with other people about your faith. Now, I just want to, you know, I had Kyle Cheatham up here last Sunday with me. Kyle's an eye doctor, and he talked about the eye and the design of the eye pointing to a creator. And Kyle sent me an email this week, and I, I just want to read it, okay? I think it's so good. He said, the beauty of looking carefully at today's question and every question in this series is that it benefits all of us, regardless of where we are in our spiritual journey. Whether we've been a Christian for years or we're still asking questions about God and faith. And then he writes, the bottom line is this. Investigating this carefully is truly worth the effort for each of us. If there's an intellectually honest way to look at these questions and come to a solid conclusion that makes sense, we would all, I would think, Kyle writes in parentheses, want to know the answer because so much is riding on it. I don't know if you've ever heard the quote by C.S. Lewis, you know, C.S. Lewis who wrote Chronicles of Narnia and then he wrote that brilliant apologetic on the Christian faith called Mere Christianity. C.S. Lewis said this, and I just want to, want to read this and, and then we'll leave it up in the screen even as here in the next, these next few minutes. He said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is of mediocre importance. I just, I just want to leave that up as, even as we, as we uh, move into our time of communion this morning because I think it's so important to just think about what he said there. Let, let me just say this. Um, our faith, those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, our faith rests in what communion is all about. Death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. The, I mean, Je in fact, Jeff is going to talk about that in the, in the last sermon in this series, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It, it all comes down, did that happen or didn't happen? Did, did, the, did, did he really die? Did he, did he really suffer on a cross and die on that cross? And was he really resurrected from the dead. I mean, that's what our faith rests in, the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, um, our communion, this time is open for everybody. 
as a believer in Christ. And it might be that you're, you're, you're sitting out here and you're saying, man, Steve, I, I, I do know I, I'm a sinner and I have this sense that I need God's forgiveness, but I just need some more time to think about this. And, you know, how it really happens, boy, give it the time you need. Or it might be you're sitting here and you're going, Steve, I, I understand Jesus Christ, God's son, died for my sin. I've never trusted in him, but I want to do that today. And you can do that in these next few moments, and you can share in this time of communion with us. I mean, it's, it sounds simple, but it's really very profound to, to put that trust in Jesus Christ. Okay? So um, I'm just going gonna, gonna to ask our host to come forward, and we'll uh, distribute the bread and the cup, and then I'll come and lead us in communion.